0: I want to see a documentary on Hemi's Trismegistus, Hemi's Trismegistus Um, documentary, you know, um, that was Stark, right? And he said that, um, you know, he wrote this. The Emerald Tablets. <coughs> Hermetica. Hermetica. Explain. Who is Hermes Trismegistus? as a Hermetica? <coughs> Hermetic knowledge. Herm- Hermes. The God Hermes. The immortal gods. History and mythology documentary. Wow. Um... World of Antiquity and Fortress of Loo. Okay, World of Antiquity. That sounds like ancient a wiener. Ha, ha, a ha, 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 to ha.
1: reduce their weight. And- Patreon.com/slash World of Patriots.
0: Antiquity. see, they've got a Have Patreon you ever heard of
1: the Hermetica, the Hermetic texts. These are ancient books that purport to contain the wisdom of one of the greatest sages who ever lived, Hermes Trismegistus. Was said to have passed on lost secret knowledge from the distant past
0: he to the egyptians he built he built the pyramids oh he's the one. yeah
1: who was this enigmatic figure and did he write the books of the hermetica we're gonna find out right now <laughs> Peter Gandy is a British author who's known for some controversial theories about the ancient past, and especially ancient religion and philosophy. He's probably best known for the book, The Jesus Mysteries, which he wrote with Timothy Freak about the origins of Christianity, which was heavily criticized by historians and scholars. But he and Freak wrote a number of books, and one of them was called The Hermetica, The Lost Wisdom of the Pharaohs, which is basically a curated collection of hermetic writings that Gandhi translated into English. This is not to be confused with the book of collected hermetic writings called The Emerald Tablets of Thoth the Atlantean by Maurice Doriel, which is really out there. Both of these books are meant to be used as spiritual guidebooks, but we're going to talk about the one that makes more reasonable historical assertions. Gandhi at least has a master's degree in classics, from what I understand. I recently came across a talk that Gandhi gave at the Eternal Knowledge Festival in April of 2012 in Suffolk, in the UK. It's posted on the Uh, Megalithomania UK channel. uh, Gandy makes some claims about the Hermetica that I think are worth addressing, and it will serve as a handy vehicle through which we can approach the topic (laughs) together. Not everything in the talk is pertinent to ancient history, so I won't respond to all of it. I'll leave a link below if you want to watch the whole thing. Here we go. I'm
2: gonna talk about the, uh, the Hermetica. goes back to ancient Egypt, which which is why we use the subhead on the book, The Lost Wisdom of the Pharaohs.
1: Is the Hermetica really the the Lost Wisdom of the Pharaohs? This is the question we will be exploring. The Hermetica can certainly be called wisdom, at least in the sense that it offers knowledge and principles to its readers. It falls into the genre of writing we call wisdom literature. Whether that wisdom has any value or truth in it is another story and not our concern at present. But specifically, we will be inquiring whether the wisdom came from the pharaohs of Egypt and whether it was ever lost. So yes, is it the lost wisdom of the pharaohs? In the
2: however many years it is since we wrote this, that's actually become the major issue for me. The fact that I do think this text gives us the best possible lens for looking back into the mind
1: world of the ancient Egyptians, that's an interesting claim because while the Hermetica, or at least a good part of it, was apparently written in Egypt, it was written in Greek by Greeks. So why does he not call it the wisdom of the Greeks? We'll see as we go along. And unfortunately, the books of the Hermetica
2: have really had a terrible press.
0: Maybe because the churches, for, for many, many the years, they
2: were outlawed in Europe. They just simply weren't available during the Christian period. The Arabs nurtured them, kept them alive,
1: and then during the Renaissance, they were reintroduced back into Europe. I went and checked this out and found no evidence that the Hermetica was ever outlawed in any country of Europe. I couldn't find a single law or proclamation or order that called for either the burning of the books or a penalty being imposed for possessing them. In fact, hermetic writings were remarkably well known during the Middle Ages in Europe. The Asclepius was translated into Latin and commented on. There were even Hermetic books that were written during the Middle Ages in Europe, most notably the Book of the Twenty Four Philosophers and a number of astrological tracts. What Gandhi probably means is that the scholars of Europe, mostly monks, did not, as a matter of practice, put much effort into preserving pagan cool books. While in the Byzantine.
0: Oh, in the monks. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Oops. Isn't it about
1: In Arab worlds, they did. But that's not the same as being outlawed. And it isn't the same as being lost. The hermetic texts were part of the cultural consciousness among European scholars, even in Christian Europe. They may not have been widely published, but they were there, especially from the High Middle Ages forward, and were held in high esteem by some. But even then, there was a hatchet job done
2: on them, saying, These are the books of Thoth. These don't tell you anything about ancient Egypt. These are Greek texts written in Greek for a Greek-speaking audience who were living in Alexandria in Egypt. And really, the Egyptian stuff in it, it's just decoration, just ornamentation to give it the impression that it's ancient wisdom. And that's why they've languished in such obscurity for so long. Okay, tell us how you know this view is incorrect. And in fact, until we did our book, They were only available as difficult, impenetrable texts, badly translated by a bunch of 19th century occult obscurantists, and nobody could really understand them. And I first came across them a long time ago, 1978. I was 18, and I got inducted into a Western magical order, which claimed to go back to the famous Golden Dawn, or infamous Golden Dawn. And we used to do these magical path workings, during which I had the most extraordinary experience in the Temple of Thoth. And I was an impressionable
1: young man, and I thought, well, that's an amazing experience. The Western magical order that he joined when he was 18 was a hermetic order that was a splinter group of the Golden Dawn a secret society that had its heyday in the late 19th century. So Gandhi is very much coming from the viewpoint that the Hermetic texts have spiritual value. He even says he had a spiritual experience in Egypt when he visited a temple of Thoth. But I'm not here to talk about the truth or value of Hermeticism. I do ancient history, so let's move on. He then goes on to explain how he compiled the texts from the Hermetica for his book. If you wanna hear about that, you can check it out in the original video. I'm going to fast forward a bit. So I was reading through the introduction. I thought, I've got to put
2: an introduction to this so that people can really get a grasp on the history of it because it's not just a set of interesting texts. These have had a profound influence on our culture. In fact, the very best things of our
1: culture originate from the ancient teachings which were mediated through the Greeks. Notice how he says, mediated through the Greeks so his position is that the hermetic text may be greek but the greeks were just the mediators of an older egyptian tradition is this borne out by the evidence let's see
2: and i so what i thought i'd do is actually read the introduction because i looked through it and i thought yeah it's it's still good it's you know there's a few things i would add now but actually it'll give you a good idea of the history and the influence of the Hermetica. So, with your permission, I'll um, I'll read from the introduction.
1: Visit Sweetwater.com for the widest selection of music gear at the best prices. Experience our award-winning customer. The
2: Hermetica is a collection of writings attributed to Thoth, a mystical ancient Egyptian sage whose wisdom is said to have transformed him into a god.
1: This statement is misleading. The Hermetica is a collection of writings attributed to Hermes Trismegistus. Who is Hermes Trismegistus? He is a Hellenistic god. By Hellenistic, I mean he was invented in the Hellenistic period, the time when the Ptolemies ruled Egypt, 332 to 30 BCE. And also that he's a product of Hellenism, the synthesis of Egyptian and Greek culture. Hermes Trismegistus is a combination of the Egyptian god Thoth or Jehuti, and the Greek god Hermes so he's not simply Thoth and he's not simply Hermes he's Thoth Hermes so I feel like Gandhi is deliberately misleading his audience because he wants them to believe that the Hermes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: him to be a new god no, from their point of view the gods go way back to them, Hermes Trismegistus was the same as the god called Jehudi by the Egyptians, Thoth, and the same as the god called Hermes by the Greeks, both of whom had been worshipped for centuries. But, they thought, it wasn't until the Greeks came to Egypt and the two cultures shared their knowledge with each other that the full nature of this god became known. For us, though, who look back on these developments with an eye for history, we can see that this is all a fiction. Thoth and Hermes are completely fictitious characters invented independently by their respective cultures and then synthesized at a later time. The other statement he makes that Thoth was a mystical ancient Egyptian sage whose wisdom is said to have transformed him into a god is an idea originally connected with the physician and architect Imhotep, a real person who lived during the third dynasty and who was the designer of the Step Pyramid of Saqqara, the first of its kind. Nowhere in Egyptian myth from the Old Kingdom, Middle Kingdom, or New Kingdom, as far as I can find, was the god Thoth said to be a mortal sage who was transformed into a god. Thoth appears virtually everywhere in ancient Egyptian visual art, in literature, like the pyramid texts, coffin texts, book of the dead, and temple inscriptions. And in all these Egyptian texts, Thoth is a god and has always been a god, he was never a human. Here's what happened. There were some sages from Egypt that were deified, real historical figures like Imhotep, whose spirits were venerated after their death. And by the new kingdom, Imhotep had become a demigod, a patron of doctors and scribes. In the Saite period, 7th to 6th centuries BCE, Imhotep was finally merged with Thoth. It was common in polytheistic societies for gods eventually to merge with one another over time if they had similar characteristics. Minor gods being absorbed by the major ones. And this is what happened to Imhotep. But earlier, the two were worshipped in separate cults completely distinct from one another. So it's important to remember that the Thoth cult existed long before Imhotep ever became associated with Thoth. Unlike the god Osiris about whom it's possible to formulate a biography based on the myths about him, despite variant traditions. The Thoth stories do not allow us to establish a mythological biography like that, because the sources about him are highly contradictory, and none of them can be confidently assumed to be primary. In one tale, Thoth is said to have been born autogeniously, with no mother. Other sources say he's the son of a goddess, and different goddesses are named as his mother. There are no tales about his childhood or growing to maturity. He's always presented as an adult god and as if he has always been so. It's not until we get to later times that we see Thoth being spoken of as someone who was once mortal that was made immortal by reason of his good services to the gods. That's because he had by this time absorbed the Imhotep tradition. And so that's why at the time that Hermeticism was beginning to sprout, Hermes Trismegistus was thought to be an ancient sage who was transformed into a god. But we need to avoid making the mistake Gandhi does of assuming this idea comes from earlier times and of assuming Thoth and Hermes Trismegistus are identical. Thoth, who was venerated in Egypt
2: from at least 3000 BCE, is credited with the invention of sacred sacred hieroglyphic writing and his figure, portrayed as a scribe with the head of an
1: ibis, can be seen in many temples and tombs. The oldest texts that mention Thoth are the pyramid texts, which date to the fifth and sixth dynasties, around 2400 BCE. But Thoth was probably worshiped before that. How much further back is difficult to say. Yes, he was portrayed as an ibis and sometimes a baboon. And he was also associated with the moon. Sometimes he was spoken of as the moon itself. The fact that there are so many stories about him and he has so many symbols, many of which are contradictory and inconsistent with each other, suggests he's a fairly old god, maybe even before the first dynasty. Some might ask, isn't there a very ancient text called the Book of Thoth that contains wisdom in it, reminiscent of the Hermetic writings? What they're probably referring to is a book mentioned in the Egyptian short story, Setna and Nanathar sometimes called Setna One. This story isn't itself the book of Thoth, Hmm. it mentions the book of Thoth, which is said to contain two powerful magical spells, one that enables (laughs) a person to speak to Hmm. animals, and the other that enables a person to see the gods. Well, this is a fictional story, written in Demotic, an Egyptian script used during the Ptolemaic period. So although the character of Setna is based on a real person, the son of Ramses II, who lived during the 19th dynasty, this story is not a history. (laughs) It's a fun little text. Trismegistus was thought to be an ancient sage who was transformed into a god. But we need to avoid making the mistake Gandhi does of assuming this idea comes from earlier times and of assuming Thoth and Hermes Trismegistus are identical. Thoth, who was venerated
2: in Egypt from at least 3000 BCE, is credited with the invention of sacred, sacred hieroglyphic writing and his figure portrayed as a scribe with
1: the head of an ibis, can be seen in many temples and tombs. The oldest texts that mention Thoth are the pyramid texts, which date to the 5th and 6th dynasties, around 2400 BCE. But Thoth was probably worshipped before that. How much further back is difficult to say. Yes, he was portrayed as an ibis and sometimes a baboon. And he was also associated with the moon. Sometimes he was spoken of as the moon itself. The fact that there are so many stories about him and he has so many symbols, many of which are contradictory and inconsistent with each other, suggests he is a fairly old god. Maybe even before the first dynasty. Some might ask, isn't there a very ancient text called the Book of Thoth that contains wisdom in it, reminiscent of the Hermetic writings? What they're probably referring to is a book mentioned in the Egyptian short story Setna and Nanafer sometimes called Setna One. This story isn't itself the book of Thoth. It mentions the book of Thoth, which is said to contain two powerful magical spells, one that enables a person to speak to animals and the other that enables a person to see the gods. Well, this is a fictional story written in Demotic, an Egyptian script used during the Ptolemaic period. So although the character of Setna is based on a real person, the famous son of Ramses II, who lived during the 19th dynasty, this story is not a history. It's a fun little tale that features a book which itself is probably fictional. But wait, wasn't the Book of Thoth actually discovered recently? There was indeed a book found in fragmentary form, which modern Egyptologists have dubbed the Book of Thoth. But it is not the same as the one from the story. It has nothing in it as described in the short story. Neither does it have a title on it, the Book of Thoth. It's a text written in Demotic, also from the Hellenistic period, that features a god in it that presumably is Thoth, though it's not said explicitly. And so the researchers have named it the Book of Thoth. It contains teachings in it that resemble hermetic ideas, but its contents aren't in any of the known hermetic collections. It's from that time, though, so it fits in with the intellectual traditions of that period. He is the dispatcher of divine
2: messages and recorder of all human deeds. Hmm. In the Great Hall of Judgment, the afterlife court of the god Osiris... Thoth would establish whether the deceased had acquired spiritual knowledge and purity and so deserved a place in the heavens.
0: Hmm.
2: Thoth was said to have revealed to the Egyptians all knowledge on astronomy, architecture, geometry, medicine, and
1: religion. And was believed by the ancient Greeks to be the architect of the pyramids. Note how Gandhi is synthesizing Egyptian and Greek thought here. The Greeks who were in awe of the knowledge and spirituality
2: of the Egyptians, identified Thoth with their own god Hermes, the messenger of the gods and the guider of souls in the realm of the dead. To distinguish the Egyptian Hermes from their own, they gave him the title Trismegistus, meaning thrice great to honour his sublime wisdom. And the books attributed to him became collectively known as the
1: Hermetica, The name Trismegistus was not given to Thoth to distinguish him from Hermes. In the minds of the Greeks, Thoth and Hermes were the same god, and the name Trismegistus was a way to acknowledge their synthesis, not their difference. Trismegistus does mean thrice great. Repeating something three times was frequently used for emphasis. Diodorus Siculus, an ancient Greek historian who wrote in the first century BCE, during the Hellenistic period, describes Hermes Trismegistus In this way, it was by Hermes, for instance, according to them, the Egyptians, that the common language of mankind was first further articulated, and that many objects which were still nameless received an appellation, that the alphabet was invented, and that ordinances regarding the honors and offerings due to the gods were duly established. He was the first also to observe the orderly arrangement of the stars and the harmony of the musical sounds in their nature to establish a wrestling school, and to give thought to the rhythmical movement of the human body and its proper development. Mm. He also made a lyre and gave it three strings, imitating the seasons of the year, (laughs) for he adopted three tones, a high, a low, and a medium, the high from the summer, the low from the winter, and the medium from the spring. The Greeks also were taught by him how to expound their thoughts, and it was for this reason that he was given the name Hermes. In a word, Osiris, taking him for his priestly scribe, Communicated with him on every matter and used his counsel above that of oh. all others. God, you know how god. Theodorus combines god, the god, stories god. the Egyptians of his time told about Thoth with the beliefs of the Greeks about Hermes and considers them both as referring to the same god. There are even some new embellishments. In
0: so, um, he described to Osiris. Hmm. Osiris described.
1: Hellenistic period, when the Greeks began ruling foreign lands a phenomenon known as Interpretatio Greca began to occur. It refers to Greek interpretations of the religions and philosophies of these countries by using Greek religious concepts and practices, deities and myths, equivalencies and shared characteristics. But the Greeks often did great damage to the original concepts because they often did not understand them fully and because they often forced the meaning in order to make them compatible with their own ideas. As time passed and the concept saw further additions and expansion, including new vocabulary, rites, magic words, and alchemy, the beliefs became less and less Egyptian. Gandhi continues to read his intro, which at this point name drops a bunch of famous people throughout history who presumably were influenced by Hermetic thought. He exaggerates the Hermetica's influence, but we're not going to concern ourselves with that. Let's skip ahead. Where he talks about the Hermetica's origins.
0: So it's just my chicken. Right.
1: The eight immortal kings of Samaria lived a total of 241,200 years. I've discovered through my research that these type of stories have an element of truth to them. Mm-hmm. Immortality is not only a possibility, but a reality. Could these people still exist in secret? Could they be watching?
2: Could they be watching? Mm-hmm. The
1: numerous meanings to the various logos, yeah,
2: Of the Hermetica are shrouded in mystery. But the evidence suggests it is a direct descendant of the ancient philosophy of the Egyptians. Alright, here we go. Let's consider mm. the evidence. However, the handful of surviving works attributed to Hermes are not written in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs,
1: but in Greek, Latin, and Coptic. This is a strong reason for doubting the purely Egyptian origin of the philosophy of the Hermetic texts. They were collated
2: in the city of Alexandria in Egypt during the 2nd and 3rd centuries CE. Here, the Hermetic philosophy helped inspire some of the greatest intellectual
1: achievements of the ancient world. He deliberately uses the word collated instead of the word written. We know the bulk of the Hermetic texts were written during this period because they are in Greek and Coptic. We don't know that they were merely collated. We don't have any evidence they were translated from Egyptian either. But now, Gandhi gives his reason for why he thinks they were collated from earlier Egyptian sources.
2: Alexandria was a great center of learning, surpassing even Athens. Its founder, Alexander the Great, had conquered and united Greece, Persia, Egypt and India into one vast empire. Cultures that had grown up more or less independently were brought together, and there was no bigger melting pot than Alexandria. Into this new Cosmopolis, or universal city, poured men and women of every race and nation. Greeks, Jews, Egyptians, Babylonians, Phoenicians, and even Buddhists from India, associated here together in relative peace. The Alexandrians were renowned for their thirst for knowledge, and under the enlightened Greek ruler Ptolemy I, a library and museum were founded where human beings first systematically collected the wisdom of the world. At its height, the Library of Alexandria housed some half a million scrolls. But Alexandria was also rich in esoteric knowledge. Pythagoreanism, Chaldean oracles, Greek myths, Platonic and Stoic philosophy, Judaism, Christianity, the Greek mystery schools, Zoroastrianism, astrology, alchemy, Buddhism, and of course the ancient Egyptian religion were all practiced, studied,
1: compared and discussed. Okay, so if I'm following his point properly, he is saying that since the Library of Alexandria had hundreds of thousands of scrolls collected from all over, they must have had scrolls of ancient Egyptian wisdom. Therefore, the philosophy of the Hermetic texts could easily have been taken from earlier Egyptian texts. All this does, however, is show the possibility that the Hermetica could contain Egyptian ideas. Gandy would have to agree it doesn't prove that the Hermetica is wholly Egyptian. Anyway, modern scholars are of the opinion that the Hermetica draws from the ancient Egyptian tradition. No one argues that the Hermetic texts are 100% Greek in origin. This is a synthesis, after all. It brings together Greek ideas and Egyptian ones. And the very fact that the intellectuals of Alexandria were gathering wisdom from many different places is evidence in favor of a mixing of ideas point here is that the Hermetica can't be older than the Hellenistic period because its existence requires the interaction between the Egyptians and the Greeks. The golden age
2: of Alexandria came to an end with the birth of the intolerant Christian holy Roman Empire. Despite the sophistication and cultural achievements of the ancients, the Christians referred to them dismissively as pagans, which means country dwellers. In 415 CE, Hypatia, one of the last great scientists and pagan philosophers working at the Library of Alexandria, was seized by a mob of Christians who removed her flesh with scallop shells and burnt her remains. Their leader, Bishop Cyril, was later canonized, Saint Cyril. The great library was finally destroyed as so much pagan superstition, and this wealth of knowledge was scattered to the wind. The Christian Roman Emperor Theodosius closed pagan temples across the empire and began the previously unknown phenomenon of book burning.
1: What Gandhi appears to be trying to do here is make it seem as if the Christian church tried to wipe out the wisdom of Hermes Trismegistus, and unfairly at that. It's certainly true that pagan religion was the target of Christian attacks, But it would be too simplistic to say that they tried to eradicate all pagan ideas. Mm -hmm. There were many pagan Mm -hmm. ideas that were accepted by Christians and made their way into Christianity. The fact is, Hypatia, in her time, was beloved by both pagans and Christians. She wasn't murdered because she was a pagan, she was murdered for political reasons. She had been the advisor of the Roman prefect of Egypt, a Christian who was in the middle of a dispute with the Archbishop Cyril of Alexandria. It was thought she was getting in the way of the two reconciling, and she was killed for it. But many Christians mourned her death, and in the Middle Ages she was even upheld as a symbol of Christian virtue. The library had already been in decline for some centuries, and many of its books had been sent to other libraries. What was left of the main library was destroyed either in 272 when the Emperor Aurelian was fighting to take back Alexandria from Zenobia, Queen of Palmyra, or in 297, when the Emperor Diocletian laid siege to the city. These events occurred long before Cyril was ever born. As for the wisdom of Hermes Trismegistus, it was embraced, perhaps not by all, but certainly by some Christians, including influential leaders. Clement of Alexandria, a Christian theologian and head of the catechetical school in Alexandria, was one. Lactantius, Christian advisor to Constantine the Great, was another. Many Gnostic Christians also embraced it. For the West,
2: the 5th century ushered in the thousand-year period, appropriately known as the Dark Ages. History shows, however, that wherever the works of Hermes have been studied and venerated, civilization has flourished. This sounds like a correlation indicates causation argument. Let's see. Pagan scholars and sages flew, fled to the newly emerging Arab culture, taking their knowledge and the hermetic mm. writings with them.
1: Yeah.
2: Two hundred years later, the Muslims created an empire whose learning and scientific achievements were unsurpassed. By the beginning of the ninth century, the first university was established in Baghdad, called the House of Wisdom. Here, many pagan works were translated, the sciences that had reached such heights in Alexandria were significantly developed, and the ancient pagan spiritual wisdom was covertly studied and practiced.
1: Visit Sweetwater.com for the widest selection of music gear at the best prices. Experience our award-winning customer service and see how we make buying music gear online easy and hassle-free. Sweetwater.com, the best place to buy gear online. Let's talk about the importance of taking care of your mental health. The key to great therapy is finding a therapist you can truly connect with. I just... Gandhi is implying that the reason for the flourishing of Arab civilization and for the decline of European civilization during the Dark Ages is that pagan writings like the Hermetica were preserved and studied in the Muslim world, but not in Christian Europe. This would be a simplistic reading of history that assumes cause and effect without justification. Dozens of books have been written about why Rome fell in the West and how the Dark Ages came to be, and the causes were numerous. And I think it would be difficult to find any support for the belief that the neglect of pagan philosophy had anything to do
0: with it, especially
1: considering that even in the Arab world, the study of pagan works was never a primary practice, and so would have had little effect on the prosperity of that culture. With the Arab empire becoming increasingly intolerant, the owners of the hermetic
2: books travelled in search of a safe refuge. In the 15th century, many fled to the tolerant city-state of Florence in northern Italy, where this wisdom again inspired a great cultural flowering. In 1438, the Byzantine scholar Gemisto Plethon made available to the awestruck Florentines the entire lost works of Plato.
1: These and other pagan works were translated into Latin for the first time while the works of plato were translated into latin for the first time in the 15th century it was not the first time for pagan works in general in the 12th century 300 years earlier greek philosophical texts began to be translated from arabic into latin and it's not because pagans were fleeing the muslim world into europe it's because there was an increased interest in these works by europeans so for example the Tabula Smaragdina, known more popularly as the Emerald Tablet, a hermetic text that formed the basis of medieval alchemy, was translated from Arabic into Latin several times in the 12th and 13th centuries. It was extremely popular. About 40 hermetic texts appeared in the university. It was not the first time for pagan works in general. In the 12th century, the ancient pagan spiritual wisdom was covertly studied and practiced. Gandhi is implying that the reason for the flourishing of Arab civilization and for the decline of European civilization during the Dark Ages is that pagan writings like the Hermetica were preserved and studied in the Muslim world, but not in Christian Europe. This would be a simplistic reading of history that assumes cause and effect without justification. Dozens of books have been written about why Rome fell in the West and how the Dark Ages came to be, and the causes were numerous, And I think it would be difficult to find any support for the belief that the neglect of pagan philosophy had anything to do with it. Especially considering that, even in the Arab world, the study of pagan works was never a primary practice, and so would have had little effect on the prosperity of that
2: culture. With the Arab empire becoming increasingly intolerant, the owners of the hermetic books traveled in search of a safe refuge. In the 15th century, many fled to the tolerant city-state of Florence in northern Italy, where this wisdom again inspired a great cultural flowering. In 1438, the Byzantine scholar Gemisto Plethon made available to the awestruck Florentines the entire lost works of Plato. These and other pagan works were translated into
1: Latin for the first time. While the works of Plato were translated into Latin for the first time in the 15th century, it was not the first time for pagan works in general, In the 12th century, 300 years earlier, Greek philosophical texts began to be translated from Arabic into Latin. And it's not because pagans were fleeing the Muslim world into Europe. It's because there was an increased interest in these works by Europeans. So for example, the Tabula Smaragdina, known more popularly as the Emerald Tablet, a hermetic text that formed the basis of medieval alchemy, was translated from Arabic into Latin several times. In the 12th and 13th centuries. It was extremely popular. About 40 hermetic texts appeared at this time, most of which were translated from Arabic, but some were brand new. The Book of the 24 Philosophers, for example, is a hermetic text that seems to have made its first appearance. Indications are it was composed in the second half of the 12th century. Wait, you might be saying to yourself, are you suggesting that not all the hermetic texts were written by the same person? That's right. Since the texts don't all originate in the lifetime of one individual, then they couldn't possibly have been written by the same individual. The ruler of Florence, the philanthropist and scholar Cosimo de Medici,
2: established a new Platonic Academy, a group of intellectuals and mystics who found their inspiration in the ancient (laughs) pagan philosophy. Cosimo Medici sent out agents to look for other lost pagan works that might still be awaiting discovery in 1460 one of them came across the lost works of thrice great hermes and brought them to florence the florentines already reeling from the discovery that an ancient civilization of immense sophistication had risen and fallen nearly 2,000 years before them the greek civilization now believed they had in their hands one of the most
1: ancient sages of them all as we know hermetic texts were already available in europe at the time that Cosimo de' Medici lived. When Gandhi says an agent of de' Medici came across the lost works of thrice-great Hermes, he's referring to Leonardo de Pistoia, a monk who worked for de' Medici, who found in Macedonia a copy of the Corpus Hermeticum, a collection of 18 tractates attributed to Hermes Trismegistus and written in Greek which had been preserved by Christian scholars in the Byzantine Empire.
2: Scholars today
1: estimate that these texts were written sometime between the 1st and 4th centuries CE, when Rome ruled Egypt. Cosimo
2: ordered his young Greek scholar Marsilio Ficino to cease his work on translating Plato and to begin immediately on this new Egyptian text. Ficino had it ready in time to read to Cosimo just
1: before his death. Marsilio Ficino is an important figure in the history of Hermeticism because not only was he the one who made the Corpus Hermeticum available in Latin for Europeans to read, and this laid the foundations of modern Hermeticism, but because he is the inventor of a new mythology around Hermes Trismegistus that will be adopted by Hermetic groups of Europe, like the Rosicrucians, Freemasons, and others. In the preface he wrote for the Poimandres, a.k.a. the Pymander the first tractate in the collection. Ficino outlined a refurbished portrait of Hermes Trismegistus for his European readers. In the medieval Arabic literature, there were three Hermes, based on the assumption that the name Trismegistus was equivalent to the third. The first Hermes they identified with the patriarch Enoch from the Bible, who lived before the Great Flood. He built the pyramids and wrote the whole scientific knowledge of the human race on the walls of Egyptian temples. The second Hermes lived after the flood and studied science in Babylonia. The third was a ruler in Egypt and wrote many books, including those on alchemy, and he was the one called Trismegistus. This view had been adopted by medieval European hermetic enthusiasts prior to Ficino. The story will change again with Ficino's bio of Hermes. Basing it on other legends he had read and picking out what he thought was the best, Ficino said that Hermes Trismegistus was the fifth in the line of men named Hermes, or Mercury, as he says, since he's writing in Latin. Mercury is the Latin form of Hermes. Hermes Trismegistus, he wrote, lived a few generations after Moses, and he ruled Egypt and gave them laws and letters. He was so loved by the Egyptians that they made him a god and called him Thoth. He's called thrice great because he was the greatest philosopher, the greatest priest, and the greatest king. He was the first theologian, teaching about the majesty mm. of God, the ordering of That's the spirits, and the changes of the soul. He taught Orpheus, who taught Aglaophemus, who taught Pythagoras, who taught Philoleus, who taught Plato. So he is the originator of many of Plato's ideas, so claims Ficino. He was a prophet who foretold the coming of Christ. It's interesting to see how stories grow and change over time. How much more christian this sounds compared to the description of diodorus but ficino's portrayal of hermes will prove to be highly influential
2: the emergence of a glorious new culture in florence signaled the end of the dark ages we call this period the renaissance meaning rebirth which is a fitting name for at the heart of the hermetic philosophy is the idea of being spiritually reborn and the ancient pagan wisdom arrived in Florence at a fortuitous moment in history.
1: Gandhi goes on for a while about how the pagan wisdom of the Hermetica was responsible for almost every great advancement made in Europe after that, even crediting them for Copernicus's discovery that the sun was at the center of the solar system. This is not my area of history, but he seems to be stretching quite a bit. We'll fast forward to where he talks about the age of the Hermetic writings. Previously, these works had been believed to be of extreme antiquity,
2: dating back to the time of the pharaohs. But in 1640, a scholar called Isaac Casubon published a textual analysis of the Hermetica, which showed, quite correctly, that the grammar, vocabulary, form and content of the Greek versions of these works dated them to no earlier than the 2nd and 3rd centuries CE. They were not written by an ancient Egyptian sage, he claimed, but by scholars working in the city of Alexandria. Their philosophy was nothing more than an exotic blend of Greek, Christian, and Jewish philosophy mixed up with astrology and magic.
1: The Egyptian names that pepper the text were mere decoration. As you can see, it didn't take long to realize that the text couldn't be as old as Ficino claimed. Casaubon was the first European scholar to systematically analyze the language of the Hermetica. He won't be the last. Casaubon was one of the most brilliant Greek scholars of his
2: time and with the encouragement of the Christian status quo his damning Chris- criticism was generally accepted Casaubon had dealt the Egyptian sage a fatal blow and the books of Hermes were destined to be forgotten as fakes and forgery
1: Well, history shows they most certainly were not forgotten and it wasn't the church that generally accepted his conclusions it was other scholars and yes, to this day Scholarship classifies the Hermetica as pseudepigrapha, that is, writings whose claimed author is not the real author. But you know what? It's not so much because of the analysis of the language, that helps to date the texts, but it's because Hermes Trismegistus is a fictional character. Any text claiming to have been written by him cannot actually have been. In the modern world, we
2: know from the actions of the tabloid press just how one well-timed hatchet job can unjustifiably undermine someone's reputation for good. And this is exactly what happened to thrice-great Hermes. Casaubon was a fine scholar, but he was motivated by a hidden political agenda. The ultra-Orthodox James I was now on the throne of England, and he employed Casaubon and others to purge the magically inclined court of Elizabeth. Hermeticists like John Dee were ostracised, and later Casaubon's son, Merrick, wrote a book which portrayed the great philosopher as a confused occultist. Dee died
1: alone and forgotten. Casaubon's work speaks for itself. Whatever hidden agenda he may or may not have had, I don't know. No scholar today believes that these works are falsely attributed merely because Casaubon said so. That's not how scholarship works. Scholars don't believe something based on who says it. The art. It's the best sleep I've had in 22 years.
0: What color are the eyes? The first night
1: he took it, he slept like a baby.
0: Google a first picture day of I a squid. I know. <laughs> Change yeah,
1: off to uh, Around two weeks ago, I took it for
0: the first time, and I'm within remember, 15 like, minutes, I, um, I was squid. sound
1: asleep. Mm-hmm. I am no longer anxious.
0: What a bummer. I can't skip this. Mm.
1: Uh, Arguments themselves are tested, and many scholars since Casalban have continued to study their Hermetica and have arrived at similar conclusions, refining and correcting the work of Casalban and others that came after him. So we really don't need to be hung up on this one guy. Nonetheless, some of Casalban's claims regarding the Hermetica
2: are true. The books of Hermes are undoubtedly the product of many authors and not one ancient sage, And they were certainly composed in the first few
1: centuries of our era. Okay, so then does that not indicate that these writings are not from the time of the pharaohs? Hermes was was credited with these writings,
2: even though we know they were the composite works of many scholars. But this does not discredit them or Hermes. It was a common practice in antiquity for authors to ascribe their work to the god who gave them inspiration. This was a mark of respect,
1: not an attempt to deceive. When scholars say the Hermetic texts are sure. from the Hellenistic period, they are not trying to discredit them. So, uh. If you want to believe in the wisdom contained in them, that's entirely up to you. And I will agree that. that uh... Yeah, hmm.
0: pretty cool. Looks like a weird baby, huh? Hmm. Alien heads. Squid. There's a YouTube thing where this guy uh, saved a squid that had uh, gone too far into shore and couldn't, you know, get back because uh-huh. the water had gone and he grabbed it and took it to the to the ocean. The squid came back and wrapped itself around the guy's ankle and then left. Huh. Like saying thank you. Give him a hug, eh? Yeah, I gave him a <laughs> hug and left. Yeah. So Sweet. they're definitely conscious, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ascension beings. Just the way they move. It's, it's its fascinating. You know, they're so... Um... Yeah. Fluid. They seem, they seem like a highly intelligent creatures. How much do you want to bet they're fucking smarter than we are? ha ha ha! Maybe they're the original inhabitants. Maybe they're... Um... I think they must, they must play some special role because, uh, was it a guy show? Said that they were, um, alien to this planet, and maybe one of the, when I was doing on, um, like, research on, like, mer, mer people, mermaids, mermaids, whatever. Because um, apparently, uh, you know, we're the like land species, but there's, there's, this, there's a whole branch of water, humans. <laughs>
1: hmm. Poseidon,
0: say, huh? God of Well apparently, and, they know of a way to enter Earth. They? The That's fish body. They, they Hang out without uh, the threat of mankind wanting to zoom in, them down, put them in a museum. Let's see, thirty-eight, fifty-two,
2: balls, balls,
0: balls to the wall, man.
2: Balls. <laughs>
0: We've gone. <laughs> <balls. laughs> Okay, let's get back to the show, man.
1: Just because someone wrote in the name of Hermes Trismegistus, that doesn't necessarily mean they were attempting to deceive their readers. It was common in the ancient world to write in the name of a famous person from the past as a gesture of respect or as an expression of inspiration. On the second
2: charge, Kazabon is also right to claim that the Hermetica was written down in second century Alexandria. But all the modern evidence suggests (laughs) that it does express Egyptian beliefs filtered through the understanding of the Greek scholars
1: of the period. Gandhi never presents this evidence, but having gone and looked it up, it is true that modern scholars in examining the text have come to the conclusion that they do not merely reflect Greek philosophy, but Egyptian wisdom as well. But it's not that Egyptian wisdom simply was filtered through the understanding of Greek scholars as Gandhi says, but it is a true mixture of both Egyptian and Greek thought, with the scale tilted more towards the Greek side. Did you know the
0: word thought comes from thought? The word thought and truth? Hmm. Both come from thought. I think there's there's something going on here. You know, like, nobody knows about thought. Nobody knows about Hermes Trismegistus. Nobody... Um, and I, yeah, I think I think it's got. I think there's like a key here somewhere.
2: If all Casaubon's sure. criticisms were correct, this would neither diminish the Hermetica's wisdom nor alter the fact that it has profoundly influenced some of the greatest minds in history. What do you know? It is as old as the Christian Gospels. It's older than the Quran. It is one of the great sacred texts of the world. And it's
1: worthy of respect and study for these reasons alone. I'm not going to argue with him on this point. He's making a value judgment, and is entitled to rank his holy books however he wants. Hey,
0: look, man, baby. Don't I look like Linda? But when right is here? writing, so very little. Check this out! Don't I look like Linda Carter? I don't want more. <laughs> What about this one? look like somebody? No? Mm-hmm. no? somebody you know? But no, that one's, that one's a keeper. That one's a keeper! It's actually the known money about
2: ancient Egypt. <laughs> The hieroglyphs themselves were not translated until two centuries history. after his death. Consequently, many modern scholars now believe that he was wrong to see the Hermetic philosophy as a second-century innovation, especially since the discovery of the Pyramid Texts of Saqqara at the end of the last century. These hieroglyphs are over 5,000 years old and yet contain doctrines that are identical to those expounded in the Hermetica. This suggests that the Hermetica may indeed contain the wisdom of the pharaohs, which scholars in 2nd century Alexandria reworked for a
1: contemporary readership. But a reworking of this wisdom is an innovation. It takes something old and adds something original to it, thus creating something new. I wish you would have given a couple of examples of doctrines in the Hermetica that are identical to those found in the pyramid texts. The pyramid texts consist of spells, not doctrines. There are beliefs expressed in the pyramid text that may be reflected in the Hermetica, but I would guess that no Egyptian belief came through to the Hermetica without some innovative adjustment.
2: The Hermetica contains passages reminiscent of Jewish, Christian, and Greek works, which Casaubon saw as proof that the Hermetica is a forgery, created from a hodgepodge of these other philosophers. Alexandria was such an eclectic environment, this is plausible. The ancients themselves, however, believed that these traditions were influenced by the Egyptian philosophy contained within the Hermetica. The Jews are said to have lived for many years in exile in Egypt, and their greatest prophet Moses was brought up as an Egyptian. Many early Christians lived in Egypt, and the Greeks were in awe of the Egyptians, compared to whom they felt like
1: children. Gandhi's argument here is that, yes, there are Jewish ideas reflected in the Hermetica, But, since the Jews lived in Egypt, it makes sense that their ideas made it into their America. He's absolutely right. Everyone agrees on that. But we are talking about Hellenistic Jews. Those who lived in Egypt during the time of the Ptolemies, who were very much involved in the intellectual tradition of Alexandria. As for the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt at the time of Moses, long before that, no, it was not their ideas that entered into Egyptian wisdom. That is implausible for a couple of reasons. First, it doesn't seem credible that the Egyptian elites would have readily incorporated the ideas of foreign slaves into their own wisdom tradition. Second, and more significantly, the Jewish ideas found in the Hermetica are often later Jewish ideas. That is, ideas that were not yet part of Jewish thought at the time that Moses would have lived. Examples would be Philosophical concepts of the Hellenistic Jewish philosopher Philo. The idea that the first man, Adam, was a transcendent being with superhuman qualities. And mystical descriptions of the ascent of the soul through celestial spheres. No ancient Israelite believed in any of that stuff. Well, what do you know?
2: ancient greek historian herodotus writes the the egyptians are religious to excess beyond any other nation in the world they are meticulous in anything which concerns their religion it was only if i may put it so the day before yesterday that the greeks came to know the origin and forms of the various gods the names of all the gods came to greece from egypt for the names of all the gods have been known in egypt from the beginning of time
1: Yes, Herodotus does say that the Greek gods, or actually the names of the Greek gods, came originally from the Egyptians. Gandhi takes this as evidence that the Greek religion owes its existence to Egyptian religion. And from this, apparently infers that the Hermetica must be essentially Egyptian, even if written by Greeks. But how would Herodotus, who lived in the 5th century BCE, know where the Greek gods came from? Their roots extend back to well before written records. The fact is, Herodotus and the Greeks themselves were as ignorant as we are about the origin of their gods, if not more. We know that they often projected present ideas into the remote past and constructed continuities that were frequently fantastic or inaccurate. Even if it were the case that the Greeks somehow got their gods from the Egyptians in a time before they ever interacted. In order to consider this evidence that the Hermetica is primarily an Egyptian set of works, we would have to assume that no changes occurred in either of their religions, no innovations were ever made by the Greeks in the centuries that ensued, that the Greek and Egyptian religions are more or less indistinguishable, and furthermore, that when the Hermetica was written, none of the newer ideas of either Greeks or Egyptians made their way into it. But of course... That set of assumptions would be ridiculous. Gandhi also implies that since the Egyptians were meticulous in the preservation of their ideas, then the ideas of theirs that are preserved in the Hermetica must be ancient. But the documentary history of Egypt demonstrates beyond a doubt that their ideas changed over time and were not
2: static. Casaubon particularly claims that the Hermetic philosophy plagiarized the Timaeus, a work written by the Greek philosopher Plato in the 5th century BCE. Like the Hermetica, it too includes the doctrines of astrology and reincarnation. Yet these ideas played no part in early Greek religion. So where did they come from? The answer is ancient Egypt. Over a hundred years before Plato, the Greek sage Pythagoras had set out on a journey to acquire the knowledge of the world. This led him to Egypt, where he spent 22 years in the temples being initiated into the religion of the Egyptians according to the ancient Greek scholar Diogenes Laertius, Plato purchased three books of Pythagorean doctrines based on Egyptian wisdom and these he adapted into the Timaeus so the seven minutes